Blog Talk Radio. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello and welcome. I'm January Jones, and this is my co-host. Her name is Ginger Ale, and she is our six-month-old puppy. And she may be back at the end of the show. We'll just see how she does. Thank you for joining us today. Now to my listeners, let me ask you a question. Have you ever met a real live humorist? Tell me, have you met have you ever met a neuro humorist? Mm-hmm. Now let's all ask what is a neuro humorist? Well we're gonna find out today all about it. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. She is an international speaker, successful author, neurohumorist. She is a pioneer in the field of applied humor, starting with her master's thesis in graduate school and now continues her partnerships with leading neuroscientists. Today, she helps leaders and those they serve achieve peak performance and optimum health through the art and science of applied humor. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show today my dear friend, Karen Buxman. Hi, Karen. How are you doing, dear? You know, I, I was thinking while you were talking that this sounds like such a great setup for a winologist, a hero humorist walk into a bar, right? And I okay. Now that's true. <laughs> and then what happens? <laughs> right. Well, we haven't got to the punchline. People have to stay tuned till the very end. Okay. Well, I'll come up with my punchline, and you come up with your punchline. <laughs> yes. So now for my listeners, it's time to sit back and relax, get some wine and cheese, and join us in the no wine zone. Yeah. Karen, let me ask you, first of all, a question I've been asking everyone on this new podcast. How did the pandemic impact your career 
And how did it impact your personal life? Could you share that with us? You bet. Um, you know, like so many, this just came out of left field. And mm-hmm. I make my living on stage. My audiences can be fewer than 10 people or greater than 10,000, but on average, you know, around 500 folks. And those went away very quickly. Yeah. So that was an opportunity to get to walk the talk. You know, does this humor stuff, does this really help? Because, I mean, it was incredibly stressful to just watch dollars evaporate off our calendars. Right. Um, right. But very quickly, I realized this was also an opportunity to take advantage of some learning opportunities. And for me, that was uh, a real epiphany. I've, I've studied humor in the brain. That's what a neurohumorist is, is when you, when you cross somebody from the neurosciences and health with humor and you live at the intersection there of all those wonderful, wonderful benefits. And so, you know, as, as just getting into this, this is, I lost my train of thought here. I got so excited of what we were talking about. <laughs> Pandemic. And how it affected Oh, yes. And so it was the opportunity to um, do more um, learning about the brain. And I I took um, almost a year-long course on neuroleadership. And that really that deep dive enabled me to really have some very valuable insights for people who are listening today. And I think one of the most um, important insights that I've had is that people think that the purpose of humor is entertainment. And that's really, that's very true. But I've also identified two other purposes. And one of those is well-being. How can we be healthier and happier and, and holistically? And the other is influence. And that is, you know, how do we persuade, motivate, inspire, educate people with humor? And those are not measured by laughter. If you're an entertainer, your success is measured by laughter. But if you are somebody who wants to experience better health or greater influence, that's not how we measure it. And so these were some incredible insights that I came upon that I wouldn't have had if it weren't for the pandemic. You know, we all became a whole lot better with technology. And in the beginning, (laughs) oh my gosh, I just, it was like, kill me now, you know, just, (laughs) uh, it was just so miserable. Yeah. But then we found we could meet, we could connect with people, you know, more at one time and further. And so, you know, there has been these occasional silver linings in all of this. Oh, I know. It's quite an adjustment for everyone. I was thinking about you earlier today. And uh, where did you go to take the course to find out what to do next? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What next? Um, you know, I, I started out in grad school in in Missouri, and that you know that was the whole springboard for all of this. Yeah. But in terms of you know, I've created some interesting tools that I think also would be uh, helpful for some people to recognize because so many times when people hear, oh, I want to put more humor into my work life or my personal life or my professional life, and then they kind of get nervous about it because they're like, oh, but what if I'm not funny? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, now, you know, and, and it's not about the being funny. Again, we go back to influence well-being. It's about how can you see funny? How can you immerse yourself? And, you know, for, for people that I'm helping during the pandemic, a lot of this is 
you know, how, because people are like, well, there's nothing funny about the pandemic, you know, and sadly, <laughs> but you, I, bet you know, you, I bet you could find some funny there. You know, and people did find some funny with the mm-hmm. the various memes, toilet paper memes, and, you know, all of that kind of crazy thing. But it was so emotional that people were having this difficult time. And that's because there wasn't enough emotional distance. You know, by the time you and I get to be adults, our humor doesn't necessarily come from those same joy-filled moments that they did when we were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, little kids, they just laugh in the moment. They yes. just, they are in in bliss, in joy. And a lot of our humor by the time uh, we get to be adults comes from pain and discomfort. So the good news was during the pandemic, there was a lot of material because there was a <laughs> lot of pain. The downside was that if people don't have emotional distance from it, they weren't able to laugh about the situation. And I think that was, again, more insights that the that the pandemic brought, because mm-hmm. I found that humor could help people in four different ways to be more successful. Um, and that was distract, reframe, relate, refuel. Okay. And Okay, four different ways. You know, we're going to take a break right now. Hold that thought. And when we come back with Karen, we're going to hear all about the four different ways. <laughs> right now, you're going to hear about my book, Thou Shalt Not Wine, the 11th Commandment. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back to the No Wine Zone with my guest, Karen Buxman. And she is definitely not a whiner because she is true. <laughs> she is a true winner. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about no whining allowed. Yeah, let's talk about the four things that uh, help people get through this pandemic and, and define success. You know, when when you are in a situation where you have absolutely zero control, mm-hmm. this yeah. is a great time for distraction. You know, people think, oh, well, distraction is putting your head in the ground. But sometimes if it's the only thing you can do to keep your sanity, that's okay. You know, if you're sitting in a doctor's office and there's nothing you can do to speed the doctor up, you can sit there and you can think about things that are driving you crazy or you can tap into some humor. And how does that change your entire chemistry? Some of these could be memories. Some of this could be, I mean, we live in a day now where there's nothing further from us than our phone in terms of humor. We've just, we've got access to distraction all over the place. 
So that's the first one. Um, the second one is reframing. And with reframing, when we can see things from a different perspective, we empower ourselves. You know, we are no longer the victim. We're the victor. Mm-hmm. And reframing in our brain is it's a very, very successful technique to get yourself feeling empowered and engaged. The only challenge is that it takes more effort in your brain to reframe. That's a, a higher cognitive effort. Uh-huh. The great news is that humor does that in a heartbeat. It's a hack because humor is already the taking of unlike ideas and putting them together. And so that in itself is a reframe. So how can we use humor to exaggerate the situation or downplay the situation and see things from a different perspective? Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to empower us. So distract, reframe, relate. One of the wonderful things about humor is that in addition to lowering all the stress-producing hormones mm-hmm. and, and chemicals in our body, it creates this, this cascade of very, very positive um, hormones, including oxytocin, which is known as the cuddle hormone. People oh. who share positive humor, this is one of the reasons why they feel more connected because of that expression of the hormone. And so uh, you can be sharing this humor with the people that you want to feel closer to, whether that's your family, whether that's friends, whether that's colleagues, whether it's your customers, because it takes down the resistance and it increases that feeling of trust and safety. And then the very last one is refuel, because especially during COVID and other kinds of issues, people, it's like they don't get a chance to catch their breath. You know, it's yeah. it's the pandemic, it's politics, it's global warming, it's murder hornets, and people <laughs> never get a chance to catch their breath. And so we keep pulling from our reserves, and that leaves us on empty or worse. But the good news is that humor has been shown to help every single body system that is negatively affected by stress. Wow. And so if you intentionally and consistently tap into something that amuses you, Every day. It's not about you being funny. It's about you seeing funny, about you experiencing things, listening for things, seeking stories from other people. What's the most what's the most embarrassing moment you've ever had that you could laugh about? You know, who was the funniest person in your family? Pull these kinds of experiences from other people and you're gonna get benefits in all four of those areas. Yeah, well, what you're basically saying is such a powerful message, and you're basically saying that humor is a shortcut to health and well-being, both mentally and physically, which is an incredibly amazing, powerful message. Speaking of message, Karen, would you share with my listeners your contact information and how they can follow you? And that information will be on the chat line below the screen for anyone who wants to write it down. Excellent. I'm wildly identifiable. (laughs) Uh, I'm Karen with a Y. And I tell people I'm a good Karen. I'm not the kind that throws people under the bus. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, Karen Buxman, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you go to stressrecoverytoolkit.com, um, there are a number of um, things that are my go-tos for stress, funny videos and some articles and the TED Talk and other things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that will also uh, allow us to stay in touch if if you go there. So stressrecoverytoolkit.com, LinkedIn, KarenBuxman.com, um, wherever two or more should gather in the name of humor, I want to be there. <laughs> Well, I personally use KarenBoxman.com whenever I want to check up and see what you've been up to. Uh, speaking of being up to, now, did you, I know you're an incredibly popular keynote speaker. So during this pandemic, did you uh, resort to Zoom or how did you connect with your audience? What was your mean? Yeah. You know, that was a learning curve. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> because it's especially with humor and I I'm not a, an entertainer full-time I have been asked to do entertainment but for those of us and you know this because you're so funny as well that we feed off of laughter we are mirror neurons we're looking for the smiles and we're looking for the and listening for the laughter and we didn't get a lot of that you know <laughs> when, when we were learning the system we didn't get to see people or we didn't know how to engage them. And, you know, over time we became much better at it in mm -hmm. terms of, of, you know, now I'm my own AV team and I can do, you know, jump in it, I guess a, a green screen and a single bound, but, <laughs> but I have found that, you know, nothing's ever going to replace, yeah. face to face you know that was one thing that I used to wonder oh I wonder if this will totally go away but I think this showed us that yeah. while you know virtual was a great substitute for a while it's never going to replace long term yeah that's so true and of course this is so wonderful to be able to see you because I haven't seen you for quite a few years and this is one positive thing that has come from the pandemic. And it's been yes. a wonderful thing for families, keeping everyone together and doing family uh, threads and everything on Zoom and whatnot. Uh, out of curiosity, did you ever do stand-up? You know, I did it a couple of times and I decided in a heartbeat that I would rather speak to sober, non-smoking <laughs> audiences. And the pay was so much better. It was like, oh my. You know, I you can you can your humor can be a lot darker and bluer, but but give me a daytime audience. Okay. Non-smoking and sober any day. I'm with you. I'm with you. I did it one time. And what a terrifying experience. Of course, now, you do keynote speeches. So every keynote speech, in my opinion, is a combination of humor and information. And uh, let's talk a little bit about one of your keynote speeches where you talk uh -huh. about lead with levity. And yeah. I, I know this is something you've talked about many times. I just have come to appreciate what wonderful um, material, support material, humor is for leaders. I, you know, my background was healthcare, and I hadn't really thought about it in that sense. But the more and more I studied it, the more I realized how powerful it was. And as I mentioned, not just for physical health and emotional health, which are very important facts and you know, mm -hmm. for leaders. However, um, one of the three traits that people look for, whether they're looking for a lover or a leader, is <laughs> sense of humor. And I recognized that our ability to tap into humor for influence 
is incredible. And a lot of people, they, they kind of rest on their laurels or there's certain people that were, they just got a, they've got a knack for it and that's mm -hmm. great. And then other people are like, oh, I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. But <laughs> everybody can develop their sense of humor enough that they could be funny if they want to. Mm -hmm. Not everybody wants to be funny, but leaders who can come across as having a sense of humor will be rated higher by far than leaders who are not rated as having a sense of humor. The person never did have to tell a joke or be funny, but to be able to learn how to leverage other people's humor is something that can really keep your employees engaged, something that can really draw in your customers, can really boost sales. Mm -hmm. um, people, who is it's, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer said, um, get, your, get your customer to laugh. Laughter is tacit approval. You know, yeah. this is how we connect. And so uh, this is something that I think leaders have kind of done by accident for many years, great leaders. But now what I want them to do is to do it by choice and not by chance. Yeah. I think that's going to make the biggest difference for leaders. Right. We're going to take a break and hear about who killed Kennedy. And when we come back, Karen's going to elaborate more on how funny means money. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones. Welcome back with my friend and dear, dear guest, Karen Buxman. Karen, let's elaborate a little more. You were talking before we took the break about funny means money. And using humor, it can be a very serious business strategy. And that's one of your keynote speeches, isn't it? Yes, yes. Again, I think that people have not really come until recently to appreciate just how powerful humor can be. And in terms of business, we are now starting to see a bit of a shift. You know, for many years, we had the research to back us on the benefits physiologically and psychologically. But we've, we've been in process in terms of how do you measure success and humor in the workplace? Yeah. You know, it, it, and it really depends on what kind of work you're doing. You know, somebody who is a salesperson would measure that very 